Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created Sensitive Collective to be a space where empaths and sensitives can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journey. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more of us empaths and sensitives waking up to our nature every single day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform both you and the entire world. And it's why we're here. So join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I'm so happy you're here. Enjoy. Welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. My name is Laura Ann. I am your host and healing mentor. Today, I am diving into essential self-care items for sensitives. And, you know, I'm starting to just use the term sensitives to mean someone who could be an empath, someone who could be a highly sensitive person, someone who could, who could be both, like I am myself. Um, so, you know, it's a, a mouthful to always say empaths and highly sensitive people. Uh, just know throughout this episode when I'm speaking to sensitives that I'm speaking to either or uh, and both empaths and highly sensitive people. So, Self-care is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's past trending. It's been a hot topic for a really long time. And it's something that I really love to talk about because it is so accessible for everyone. Um, that that concept that, you know, you, you always have the ability to meet yourself in some way. Um, and that self-care isn't only bubble baths and chocolate. Yes, they can be a part of self-care. I encourage <laughs> I encourage both of these things um, as needed. And as sensitives, we have some really specific needs that uh, we if are if I am consistently meeting these needs, if my clients are consistently meeting these needs, we start to see uh, a real difference in the way that we feel and the way that we're able to show up in our life for ourselves and for the people around us, for the people who count on us um, within our personal and our professional relationships. So as I was feeling into this, I was thinking, oh, top 10. And so I came up with 10. And then, of course, one more came in. Um, and it's the magic number 11. And I'm going to have to say the number one thing uh, I'll save for last. I'm going to go from 11 all the way through to item one and um, build some anticipation there for you. So listen all the way through. These these are all practices that are accessible. These are all, um, I'm going to share some practices, but they're overarching 
areas that are essential for sensitives to address in regular self-care. And so whether you're incorporating it into your day, into your week, into your month, it's just, um, you know, creating a list, I would even invite you to get a pen and paper as you listen to this episode and, and create this list for yourself as, as a kind of, um, a checklist that you can utilize as a resource to look and see, you know, am I meeting myself in these places? Am I meeting these needs that I have as a sensitive so that I can really, um, feel like I'm able to, to thrive and create the life that I want to be living. So number 11 is time with your crew, time with your people, time with that inner circle of the folks that you know, you love, you trust. Um, as sensitives, it can really be too easy for that pendulum swing to happen where we're spending either too much time alone or overextending ourselves and spending too much time with other people. And um, so I'll come back to that here in a minute, but it's so important to carve out some space in our life to have really genuine, like good feeling connections with people who we know and love and trust. Uh, it's a balancing act for sure. You know, finding the right amount of that time with your with your crew, um, and you know whether it's one on one, whether it's in a small group. Uh, I I know you know as as sensitives we tend to really thrive more in those one on one and small group environments, and just uh, giving yourself permission to explore what sort of what your capacity is for socialization. And and then I invite you to, you know, play around with expanding your window of tolerance, trying, you know, if, if it's been a while since you've been to a social gathering, maybe don't go to 10 in a week, maybe just start with one. <laughs> like just uh, meeting yourself where you're at and uh, whatever the, the actual quantity of time looks like. Um, intentionally creating some quality connection time with the the people in your inner crew. Um, we're wired for connections as human beings and uh, sensitives even more so. You know, we are so highly attuned to the emotions and the energy of the people that we love, the people around us in our lives that um, the these kinds of deeper connection relationships are incredibly meaningful and soul-sustaining for us um, in balance with, uh, spoiler alert, item uh, item number eight, which is time for yourself, time alone, um, uh, or item number nine, I think it is. But um, we are wired for that connection. And it actually helps regulate your nervous system to be in contact and loving connection with these people. It's co-regulation of your nervous system. Whether it's friendly snuggles on the sofa with your bestie while you watch a favorite rom-com, whether it's romantic snuggles with your lover under the covers, 
Um, you know, even your furry friends can be a part of your inner crew. I co-regulate with my animals all the time. Um, so, you know, just bringing more intention to the um, time that you're dedicating and carving out and creating to spend with the people that you that you know, love and trust. You know, these these relationships are really essential components to our health and to our happiness. Okay, item number 10, time alone to rest. It's a balancing act, right? We, we need to connect. Um, we need more rest than most people do. Sensitives need more rest than non-sensitives. And um, given the way that our society is structured, it is pretty unlikely that you're getting enough sleep every single night. Um, so definitely prioritize this. I would say, you know, eight to nine hours of sleep a night is the golden ratio for sensitives. Um as, as much as possible on a consistent basis. So definitely prioritize that. And I'm acknowledging that in the world we live in, that can feel really challenging, especially um, with the responsibilities that we can have as parents, as caregivers, uh, within our professional capacity as well. So, you know, listening to your body and resting as needed to supplement the sleep that you're getting overnight is of, I, I can't overstate enough how important rest is. Sleep is medicine for every human and for us sensitives who need more rest, um, it's, it's even more essential that we're listening to the cues that we're receiving from our mind, our body, and our spirit, that it's time for us to rest. This is something that I really, really struggled with for a long time and still struggle with, I've come a long way, um, but it's so ingrained in us to be these little productive automatons in our culture, in our society, you know, our worth our value is tied directly to our productivity. And that's the messaging and the programming that we have received from so many different spheres of our existence that for me, I can you know, know that I need to rest and know that is the best thing for myself and therefore anyone connected to me and still feel guilty, still feel ashamed of the very basic need that I have for rest. So I find it helpful to remind myself that, um, you know, it's, it's the rest that I need to be able to show up in my unique brilliance as a sensitive. That the very gifts that I possess that make me um, so valuable as a sensitive those same gifts are the reasons that I need more rest. And so if I want to really um, capitalize 
on my gifts, if I want to get the most from what my, my sensitivity has to offer, that means I also need to honor the need for more rest that my sensitive mind, body, spirit has. And rest doesn't have to be sleep. You know, depending on the day, on the context, you know, I'm a huge advocate for napping. I'm someone who can take cat naps and it makes a big, big difference for me if I take a 15 or 20 minute nap when I'm feeling depleted um, or overwhelmed or overstimulated. Um, also just sitting with, with noise canceling earphones or earplugs on with um, your eyes closed and just getting into your body and breathing, um, taking a quiet bath, doing a silent like, transcendental meditation, even laying down and just snuggling with a furry friend, like all of these qualify as rest. Um, you know, sleep is medicine and sleep is, is great. And it's not the only form of rest that, that is accessible. So if sleeping during the day is not something that you can do and you need to rest, I would invite you to brainstorm a list of a few things, three to five things that feel very restful for you, that allow you to really replenish your battery, as it were. And you just keep that list with you on your phone, in your wallet, wherever is going to be accessible so that when you need it, you don't have to think too hard about it. You can just pull that list up and know that those are things that um, are available to you at any given time. Essential self-care item number eight, or sorry, number nine is time in nature. <sighs> I just felt my blood pressure equalize a little bit and myself get a little grounded. Just even saying that and, and the, the vision that it brought up of like walking on a path in the woods with my dogs. Um, that is what nature will do. It, it grounds us naturally. Um, so it's a being in, in nature will naturally help to, to cleanse, center and ground you. And these are all essential self-care practices. Um, they're so essential that I've got entire, um, parts of the empath's guide to thrive dedicated to, to cleansing, centering and grounding. And, um, if you're looking for, ways to practice this on your own. Definitely check that out. If you haven't already received your copy, uh, you can uh, get that. Uh, you can receive that via subscribing to my email list on my website, and I'll link that in, in today's show notes for sure. Um, time in nature, it, it is going to absolutely shift your energetic frequency and shift your perspective. A forest bathing, going on a walk, even just standing on the grass with your bare feet, um, you know, or uh, 
smelling the roses, right? Stop and smell the roses. Finding a way to connect with nature um, is going to be something that feels really replenishing and rejuvenating and help you um, to move some stuff through yourself, especially if you're like in nature, immersed in nature, uh, whether that's you know, swimming in the lake or walking in the woods. Um, that is going to be the most potent and powerful experience you can have to get the benefits of cleansing, centering, and grounding that Mother Nature just offers up to us through her very existence. Another thing that I find when I'm in nature is it helps me through, I think, the energetic shifts that come with the the natural cleansing, centering, and grounding that is happening as I'm there, um, for me to feel more connected to everything and everyone in a way that is fulfilling and helps me to get that perspective shift out of um, like sort of any kind of negative focus, doomsday mentality or worrying um, or playing out worst case scenarios, like any of that kind of energy is harder for me to maintain, like actually takes effort for me to maintain that when I am immersed into nature. And that's, that's one of the ways that I can really feel that shift in frequency happening is the very palpable shift of my inner reality of my thoughts and of my feelings. Number eight is embodied movement. And uh, embodied movement actually combines several things that are on this list as a whole. Um, you know, one is coming up that we're going to talk about here in a bit, which is nervous system regulation. Um, embodied movement uh, can really help to you know getting into your body centering in your breath um, will help to actually regulate your nervous system because when we get into these trauma responses and a dysregulated nervous system uh, there is a disconnection that is happening from the present moment and from ourselves and so working to regulate your nervous system and uh, through embodied movement and you know, getting your consciousness into your body, into your breath, it grounds you in the present moment and it grounds you into your body. And in doing that, it helps to pull you out of an activated nervous system state. It's also embodied movement moves energy through you. And um, you know, we really need support with that because we're taking on and absorbing and <laughs> witnessing so much energy uh, as a sensitive. And um, so having embodied movement and allowing us to physically move that energy through our bodies and then you know, dispel it rather than allowing it to get stuck or get stagnant within ourselves is um, huge, hugely beneficial. Um, and for me, sometimes depending on what the embodied movement is that I'm doing, I can actually have an emotional release. 
So it's not just physically moving the energy through my body, but sometimes I'll have an actual emotional release where I'm crying or I'm have a giggle fit or <laughs> anywhere in between or feel like I, you know, I need to have a tantrum with a pillow and get some rage out of my system. And and the more I practice it, the easier it is for me to access those emotions and release them. And, you know, that is really, really beneficial, um, that embodied movement for your your fascia, for your nervous system, and for your energetic bodies and for your spirit. And that right there is holistic care. So um, depending on, you know, there are lots of different ways to do embodied movement, uh, depending on what it is you need. So sometimes, you know, they're different, if we're thinking about the nervous system, there are different ways of experiencing an activated nervous system state. What it feels like to be in fight or flight mode is very different from what it feels like to be in fawn or freeze mode. And the hormones that are released are different as well. Um, you know, in fight or flight, we're getting really prepped to take action. And in freeze or fawn, we are literally shutting down. Um, very often for sensitives, we have a tendency to be more inclined towards the freeze or fawn responses of the nervous system, uh, but it could really be either way, depending um, situationally um, on what scenario you're in. So it's an opportunity to tune in and see, you know, what is it that I need? Do I need um, embodied movement that is going to be more stimulating or do I need embodied movement that is going to be more calming. What what embodied movement practice is going to best serve my needs right now? Um, so it could be, uh, for example, embodied movement happening with music or without music. That could be felt and interpreted by your systems in, in two very different ways. Is it slow or fast, the embodied movement that you're doing? Um, and, you know, just really tuning in uh, with that self-reflective element, which we'll get to here in a bit, to see, well, what is it that I really, what would best serve me in this moment? What is best going to fill my needs right now? And that just takes practice too. So giving yourself permission just to try something and see how it feels, and if it's not supporting you, um, to stop. And, and try a different approach, try a different perspective um, or a different kind of embodied movement. Some of my go-tos for embodied movement, um, I'm a huge fan of trauma-informed yoga, I'm a huge fan of yin yoga. I also really love uh, myofascial unwinding and I often get into that place uh, after a slow flow yoga practice. Um, the thing I really love about yoga practice that isn't centered around the shape or the, um, you know, the look of, of what is the pose or the difficulty level, etc. And it's really focused on how it is I'm feeling in the different poses and postures that I'm getting into 
is that it allows me to to really be embodied. It's not my ego in the driver's seat. I'm I'm coming into my practice with the mind of a curious observer and you know having that continued you know back and forth with myself of how does it feel and where do I need to make a minor adjustment and you know allowing my breath and my movements to work in concert together and that embodied movement can really help me to um, get into a different state. I also love to dance. You know, sometimes if I'm feeling, you know, freezy, disconnected, um, not not in a, in a really great spot, uh, or or like I want to just, uh, I've got kind of that that possum that's just gonna roll over and play dead feeling. Sometimes what I need to do is to put on music that I really connect with and that I really love and has an emotional oomph for me and to dance, to dance as if nobody is watching and just move in the way that the music is moving me to move. Um, those are those are some of my, some of my go-to favorites. Um, and again, I would invite you to think about what what are the ways that might serve you in an embodied movement practice and brainstorm a little list around that. And um, the next time you uh, are doing some self-care in your day or you have a need that is arising in the moment, you'll have that list to to lean on and um, come up with something that could really be supportive for you in that moment. Essential item seven, boundaries. You knew it had to be on the list. And of course I've talked about boundaries a lot on the show before. I have yet to meet a sensitive who doesn't struggle with boundaries. If you are an empath or a highly sensitive person, chances are you have a hard time with boundaries. Um, You know, getting into drama, getting involved in other people's problems, having people emotionally dump on you, getting involved too quickly with the wrong people in relationship, Um, not to mention all of the feels that, that can come with porous, energetic boundaries. Um, Boundaries are a really essential piece of the self-care pie for sensitives and uh, an an essential practice. Boundaries are a practice. And the better you get with boundaries, the healthier you'll be with yourself, uh, mind, body, soul, right? All aspects, all levels of self. Um, and in relationship with other people. Boundaries will let in what you want and keep out what you don't want. So um, I like to think of them, there's the analogy of boundaries with fences and um, that boundaries are like fences and there are different kinds of fences and fences have a purpose. They have a very specific purpose. Um, you know, a fence that is going to be used to keep my cat from 
getting out of the yard is a very different looking kind of fence from one that's going to keep cows in a field. Um, right? so I don't know why those two examples came to mind. Um, but and, and the level of work required to build them, the level of work required to maintain them, all of that is going to be different depending on what the need is for the fence, uh, what the timeline is for that need. You know, so it's, uh, it's not just you know one kind cut and paste. This is one boundary fits all. Uh, it's really important to tune in to why you need to create the boundary and um, get really clear with that for yourself. I go into a lot of detail around how to create boundaries in another podcast episode and in a PDF guide um, that, that teaches you how to uh, create, communicate, and cultivate your boundaries, all of which are also um, inside of the Empaths Guide to Thrive, which I'm going to link in today's show notes for you as well. Uh, one thing I do want to point out with boundaries for sensitives, sometimes because we've had such a lack of boundaries or you know, no boundaries, very porous boundaries uh, for, for so much of our lives, when we start to think about setting boundaries, sometimes we can allow that pendulum to swing too far in the other direction. And rather than erecting a fence, we, we're erecting this you know 10 foot tall, three foot deep wall. <laughs> it's just not going to allow anything in or out. And I would invite you to just, um, you know, be gentle with yourself. If you notice that you're doing this, invite compassion for yourself as you're figuring it out and, um, you know, then move the pendulum back a little bit and find, find more of a happy medium and a balance. Um, and, and I will say sometimes the 10 foot high, three foot deep wall is the boundary that is called for. So it just depends, again, on your situation. Um, and, and more on that in the Empath's Guide to Thrive. But boundaries are really essential for your health and well-being as a sensitive. Item number six is grounding. Um, so I feel like with grounding, I, I talk about it quite a bit. And... Um, it is helpful to start our conversation around grounding with what it feels like when you're not grounded. Being ungrounded um, can show up in, in a few different ways. Uh, in, in the mind, it, it can be a very kind of flighty, floating around thoughts, um, often with a negative focus. It can in the body feel like maybe you're not even fully aware of the lower half of your body and you're more in your uh, third eye, maybe you're more in your crown chakra, you're more in your head, um, you're not really feeling like you're in your body so much. Um, and with the energetic self, uh, and thinking about, well, how does being ungrounded feel energetically? Um, it, it is a bit floaty, right? Which, which makes sense. It's the opposite of being grounded. Um, so there's that, that feeling of, um, it can feel a little bit scary. It can feel a little bit unsettling because there's that sense of, 
anything could just like a cloud, like any gust of wind could just send you for miles in a direction that maybe you, you don't want to go or um, like you're uh, a dandelion seed floating on the surface of the water, you don't really have a lot of agency. It's the water that's sort of thrusting you around um, because you're not grounded and you don't have roots. And that is what being grounded feels like. It feels more solid and secure. Imagine the mighty oak with its roots running deep into the earth giving it the foundational support that it needs to be able to grow so tall and strong with its branches reaching all the way out to the heavens. It can grow so tall and have these beautiful branches because it is so well grounded into the earth. And that's what grounding as a practice will do for you as a sensitive because we are constantly bombarded with all of the, the minutia of the things, um, of the mood, emotion, energy of other people in our environment, of all of the little things that we're noticing within the objects of our environment, um, the, the, all of the things that we're picking up on because we have deeper sense processing as highly sensitive people, um, and you know, as empaths, the the energy that that we're experiencing and feeling from others, you know, that that's a lot to have going on. And when grounded, it does a few things. So, being grounded will help you get back into the present moment and get back into your body. That's also helping you to regulate your nervous system and better able process your surroundings because you're not being overstimulated by them. You're better able to, to process what is coming in for you. It also connects you to supportive earth energy. And that earth energy, it's, um, it's really magical. It, it is grounding in and of itself. So when, when grounding and, and tapping into the energy of the earth, you're getting that, um, it's almost like a touchback. You're reaching out for love and support from the earth and she's reaching back and she's grounding you just like the, the roots of the mighty oak so that you have a strong foundation. Because of the way we're wired and because of the experiences that we've had, and our, our natural gifts and, and tendencies and qualities as sensitives, there is a tendency for us to more naturally habitate our higher chakras, the energy centers of you know heart um, and, and up into our head even, like uh, again, your third eye and your crown chakra. Um, and that... Uh, can be a really beautiful and magical place to live. That's where we can receive uh, you know, messages from higher self and from source and, and get the visionary inspired creative ideas. Uh, and again, it's about balance because when we only live in those higher chakras and energy centers of self, 
um, you know, things can actually get blocked uh, lower down and prevent a good flow of energy. And so grounding helps us to connect with and keep open the lower energetic channels um, and centers of, of our mind, body, spirit. So grounding is literally what it sounds like. Connecting with the ground. <laughs> it's connecting with the earth. Uh, I do have some uh, guided grounding meditations inside the Empath's Guide to Thrive. If you're curious about exploring this practice, um, what are the benefits? So, of course, you know, that beautiful sense of safety, security, feeling held by and connected with the earth. Grounding helps to regulate your nervous system. It reduces the feelings of anxiety that can come up when we're feeling over aroused and overstimulated and, and maybe chaotic. Um, and it's also especially important for anyone who travels a lot uh, for pleasure or for work. Um, you know, grounding can actually help with your jet lag. So anytime I'm traveling somewhere in a different time zone, as soon as I get to that new new time zone, I like to take my shoes off and stand barefoot on the earth and do a grounding practice because that actually helps my body clock reset and connect with, you know, wherever it is I am and it can really help ease the influence of jet lag, which is a great benefit for everyone, but especially for us sensitives, because if you remember, we need more rest than the average Joe. Um, it's also uh, really helpful in just feeling less disconnected and anxious in new places. So if you're traveling a lot for work or for pleasure, whichever it is, um, you know, and you're in a new place, taking some time to ground and connect will make you feel a little bit less like a fish out of water. Number five on the essential self-care for sensitives, a spiritual practice. You are a deep processor and truth seeker naturally drawn towards the spiritual and the metaphysical and really inclined to looking inward. It's a beautiful gift and having a spiritual practice to lean on gives you a, an outlet for this, this gift and this need. Um, you know, spiritual practice connects you with something higher, bigger, greater than yourself. And doing that does a few, there, there are some really great benefits from this. One is it just feels good because that's part of why we are instruments of consciousness. That's a part of the way that we have been wired is to connect to the great I am, source, universe, God, right? Fill in whatever <laughs> blank applies to your belief system. Um, but as humans, the reason we have so many terms for this <laughs> is humans all over the world, no matter their background, are connecting with that, that higher entity 
um, or universal presence. And it feels really good to be able to do that. It actually helps us to, you know, move energy in the way that grounding helps us to move energy uh, and, you know, connect with earth energy. It's just as important, again, balance for us to move energy through from the top of our chakras and to connect with cosmic energy, source energy, the creativity and the visionary uh, elements of our experience is, is coming in through that avenue. Spiritual practice will also help you to shift perspective. And this is really important for sensitives to, to have a practice to lean on that will help with reframing. And I find it can feel really more enjoyable to get a reframe in perspective through spiritual practice because it's connecting me to love. It's connecting me to uh, transcendence. It's connecting me to faith and to trust. And again, that feels good. There is a really high vibratory frequency with doing this practice. Um, and I can reframe only using my mind. And, you know, that's work I do with myself. That's work I do with my clients. And sometimes we don't even need to use that aspect of ourselves to get a reframe in perspective and to shift our frequency. Sometimes we can do that purely through the joyful practice of connecting with spirit. And that can look very different depending on who you are and what your beliefs are. Um, but it's a, a key part of a holistic approach, right? To, to cultivate a spiritual practice and, and have that avenue and that outlet for yourself. If you don't have a spiritual practice, that's okay. Um, it doesn't have to, you don't have to like buy out the crystal shop. Um, you, you don't have to get uh, all of the incense and you, that if you love crystals and you love incense, I do too. I'm here for it. Go for it. Uh, but your spiritual practice gets to be yours. You get to decide what is best going to connect you to spirit. Um, and that know that that could change. And that probably will change as you do with you on your own healing journey um, and, and as you grow and evolve in this lifetime. An example I love to give around this is that I used to think oracle cards were total BS and they actually kind of triggered me and I thought they were dumb. Um, and I like quietly judged people who believed in them. I tried not to because of who I am. Um, but there was always like my, I, let me say this, my inner critic was hella judgmental about people who were using oracle cards. And my inner critic was was pretty judgmental about me starting to use oracle cards as they started to feel more in resonant with my own belief system. And so that's just a reminder too, you know, a lot of the time our inner critic is kind of, you know, 10 steps behind us and, and wherever we are on our path of evolution um, and in and, and a little bit of a smaller state of... Um, and, and more closely related to our ego. Uh, so just, you know, give yourself permission to have fun and play 
with your spiritual practice. It's not written in stone. You can just try something once and decide you don't like it. You could try something once and have your inner critic, you know, make fun of it and decide to try it a second time. Uh, so that that is up to you. Um, but you know, some of the things that I love to do with my spiritual practice, yes, yes, yes to oracle cards. Um, I really love to um, do Reiki on myself and uh, do some like visualization meditation to connect with spirit. I like to talk to my angels and to my spirit team and then pull an oracle card around uh, a more specific or general query that I'm having. Um, my spiritual practice can also look like my time in nature with the intention of connecting with um, with the fae, with fairies. It can look like time in nature really with intention to connect to Gaia or to you know the spirit that is interwoven and um, connects us all. So you know there's there's a wide range of what your spiritual practice can look like and it doesn't have to be the same day today. So give yourself permission to play and just see what feels good and what feels right for you. Number four is nervous system regulation. And we did talk about this a little bit already when talking about embodied movement. Um, and so that's just one way of illustrating nervous system regulation. The practice of regulating your nervous system can look like a lot of different practices. So it's really accessible um, and you know malleable to whatever the specific need is for you, um, the environment that you find yourself within, you know, the different tools that I use to regulate my nervous system. Some of them I would only do in the privacy of my own home. <laughs> Some of them I can do in line at the grocery store. So it really is um, beneficial to keep that list. What are the ways that I can regulate my own nervous system? And maybe even think about um, what, what are ways that I can do that that's gonna be accessible in public versus the, the things that I only wanna do when it's just my cat giving me the side eye, right? As sensitives, we have a more sensitive nervous system. So as an empath and or a highly sensitive person, you are more easily overstimulated um, and aroused. Your, your nervous system is, is more easily activated. So nervous system regulation is really essential to support you in maintaining and restoring balance in getting into a regulated state with your nervous system. Um, so what do I mean, Laura-Ann, dysregulated, regulated, what are you talking about? Um, you might be asking. Uh, so our, our nervous system, when it's in a regulated state, uh, we feel safe, we feel secure. Um, our, our major cognitive functions are online. Um, and when we get dysregulated, that's when we're talking about, um, you know, the fight, flight, fawn, or freeze states of nervous system. As I mentioned before, very often the go-to for uh, sensitive is to get into the freeze or fawn state. Um, 
But no matter how your nervous system is dysregulated, when living more perpetually in an activated an aroused state of nervous system, it influences the hormonal cocktail that is being created by your body. And, and that hormonal cocktail has a very real palpable impact and influence on the way your organs are functioning and the way you're experiencing your reality. And over time, chronic nervous system dysregulation can have really negative consequences on your health and causing chronic stress, adrenal fatigue, um, chronic inflammation. And it's even at an energetic level, it's like you start to vibrate in this state of perpetual threat. Um, And we are not made to be sort of on that channel at that frequency um, in perpetuity. We were designed to get into these activated states of our nervous system to help us survive uh, traumatic events. But, you know, because of the modern society that we live in, maybe some of our own personal trauma that we're carrying around, and as sensitives in the way that we're um, wired to experience the world, uh, that it's so much easier to to get shifted into a more chronic state of dysregulation and activation. And you know, that was certainly my experience. Um, you know, the the one of the root causes of my chronic illness um, was being in a perpetual state of uh, dysregulation. And it, you know, I was chronically ill for many years. Um, I think a lot of the time when we're presenting a ton of symptoms and doctors don't really have an answer, they're like, oh, I think it has something to do with autoimmune. Um, I also have uh, thyroid disease, Hashimoto's, um, which is definitely connected with, with uh, nervous system dysregulation. And uh, also with, you know, past trauma. Um, I tried a lot of different holistic naturopathic approaches to healing myself. Uh, with gifted practitioners and you know, guides and therapists all along, and doctors all along the way. What was it that had the biggest impact on my healing out of chronic illness, it was attending a trauma-informed yoga teacher training where every single day I was showing up to do trauma-informed yoga, embodied movement, um, (laughs) that helped with my nervous system regulation and in community with people that I grew to really love and to really trust. And so it's checking off a lot of boxes, if you'll notice from this list, including nervous system regulation. And that really is what moved the needle forward the most for me in healing out of um, 
acute symptoms of my chapter of chronic illness within my life. And, you know, that's not all that I did. There was, as I mentioned before, there was a lot of other stuff going on, but I can absolutely draw a direct line correlation to learning about my nervous system and how to uh, navigate within it and to self-regulate and the quantum leaps forward that I experienced in my healing. I was chronically ill for four years. What is time? I get confused about time some sometimes. <laughs> four or five years. Um, I think like really knowing that I was sick was four years. And I spent three of those running what felt like running in circles, not getting any answers, trying all of these things and maybe seeing some progress and then it, you know, not going anywhere and having a massive flare and getting worse and worse and worse to within a year not having any acute flare-ups and being able to move cities <laughs> uh, and you know sensitives were not always great with change so being able to do that within within this trauma-informed yoga teacher training because it was a virtual training and having those resources and that community there with me through the process um, I saw incredible results from, from doing that work. Um, I'm also going to link this, uh, the, the waking yoga training that, that I'm speaking to, um, because it's amazing. And, um, if that's something that you're interested in, I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. It's, um, run by Jen Wooten in, uh, in concert with, uh, practice yoga in Austin, Texas. One other thing here that is so important for me to note around nervous system regulation is the dismantling of guilt and shame about the way that I physiologically responded to things, to stimuli, to situations, to triggers, um, learning more about how my nervous system operates was the most beautiful permission slip I ever received for being a fucking human. And having that knowledge really helped me to deprogram myself from so much guilt and shame that I experienced around some really natural reactions that I was having and better know how to meet myself while I was in those reactions and and regulate myself out of them. Ooh, we're getting up there, y'all. Top three. Top three. Number three. Essential practice for a sensitive is your morning routine. Having a good morning routine is, is a non-negotiable. <laughs> it is a must-have for an empath and a highly sensitive person. It sets you up for the day. It is so important to have the foundation of a really good, calming, inspiring, regulating routine and um, to check in and get any pressing needs met, you know, setting yourself up for success for the rest of the day. If I'm starting my day out in a place that is feeling rushed and stressed and maybe a little bit anxious 
I will be playing catch up all day long and I will get to my full capacity much, much more quickly than I, I do when I start my day from a place of feeling like super zen and really replenished and nourished, I should say. Morning routine that nourishes you is the goal here. And again, that can look different day to day. Um, you know, some days I have 45 minutes for my morning routine. Some days I have 10. And I know what it is I have available to me to plug in to the time that I have. What is a non-negotiable for me? That there is dedicated time for myself in the morning. And you know, there's some things in my morning routine that happen every day and then it's just a matter of the time piece that that is the big shift. Um, so whatever your morning routine looks like, you will having a strong morning routine will help you to greet the unexpected with, with less chagrin uh, and help you maintain a sense of structure and control in the day to day. That is time and space that is really needed to, to step in to the day and all that it may have in store for us that we have no idea about what is coming our way and we have no control over. Um, and the morning routine, it really helps. Uh, it's, it's very grounding energetically, which as you know, is uh, another energy that, that we really need as sensitives. Um, so the morning routine will reduce anxiety and stress, especially when your morning routine includes a self-care item or two or three uh, that we've already talked about or that are, impre- are present in the Empath's Guide to Thrive. So for example, a morning routine that, can, that has an element of embodied movement and spiritual practice is going to be the most supportive um, because those are elements that you as a sensitive, you really need access to um, on a regular basis to thrive. So when thinking about crafting your morning routine, it could be helpful to think of it as a holistic approach, wanting to attend to all aspects of self, mind, body, spirit, and you know those lists, those brainstorming sessions that you're having around grounding, embodied movement, nervous system regulation, spiritual practice, then you can choose from those like a menu. Okay, what is gonna, how do I wanna craft my morning routine? What is gonna feel the most nourishing for me? And maybe come up um, with one or two for you to choose from, um, depending on the time you have available and make it easy for yourself to do it. Because if it's not easy, um, you probably aren't going to develop the new habit. So creating a morning routine that feels accessible and doable for yourself is the first step. 
and giving yourself permission to play around with it and add things to it and take things away from it as as they work or don't work uh, is going to be an important piece of making it a regular habit for yourself and allowing it to really be a part of your routine rather than something that you just do for a couple of weeks and then you know give up on down the line. Number two is self-reflection practice. Self-reflection is, oh, I'm just smiling so big thinking about it. It's a space that you create to meet yourself. Self-reflection is where the work begins. You need a certain amount of self-awareness to be able to work with yourself. That's the inner work, right? Um, when you learn about your inner dialogue and the different aspects of self, like your inner critic or your inner child, you are better able to meet them. You're better able to work with them and see the benefits of that work. Self-reflection practice is where you start to develop more attunement to your own needs. And that is a pivotal step in getting your needs met by yourself and in relationships. So often relationships can feel like such a struggle for sensitives because we, we process so deeply. We're having all of this input all the time and, um, Many of us are recovering people pleasers and afraid to speak up about what it is we want and maybe are so used to being chameleons and fitting into how everybody else perceives us and needs us and expects us to be that we've stopped even listening to who we want to be and what it is we need to feel good. Self-reflection practices are going to help you to recalibrate to the frequency of yourself and learn how to listen. Now we hear all the time when talking about external relationships, friendship, professional, romantic, that communication is key to successful relationship. Well, self-reflection is communication with yourself. And just like any practice, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more fun it is, honestly, it feels, you know, sometimes that there are things that are always going to feel like work. Um, and sometimes the self-reflection practice, it can, it can be a really joyful celebratory experience. Um, I know if I think of the experiences I've had in therapy, working with someone else and I have a breakthrough and now I can see that and, and how excited I would get and I feel kind of proud and relieved and like in awe of the new perspective. Being able to do that with self-reflective practices um, is so empowering. Not to say, you know, don't do that with a therapist. Therapy is amazing. Um, I've myself been in and out of therapy my entire life and I've, I've seen great value from it. And um, therapy could be a place to start for self-reflection if it's not something that you're used to or, you know, 
you've, you've disconnected from that for so long. Um, as sensitives, we tend to be people who turn inward and have very rich internal landscapes and experiences. And sometimes it can be really helpful to have a guide um, to, to help us navigate that, especially in the beginning. Um, but self-reflection is absolutely a pivotal, essential piece of the self-care pie as a sensitive. And I have self-reflection uh, practices linked for you in the Empath's Guide to Thrive. So we have come, drum roll please, to item number one on the uh, essential sensitive self-care list. And I'm going to just create a little space here. Can you guess what the most important thing is? Hazard a guess. Shout it out. Shout it out in the room. Write it on that piece of paper you got. I'm, I'm so curious. It is staying hydrated. <laughs> it is so, so simple. And yet sometimes it can feel so, so challenging. Staying hydrated is the most important piece of self-care as, as a human, especially as a sensitive, um, because you know, water is what we need within this incredible liquid crystal matrix that is your instrument of consciousness of mind, body, spirit to function optimally. We need water. Um, and we're, we're, we're taking on so much energy and so much input all of the time, making sure that we have enough water is going to allow us to, to just to pee out the stuff. <laughs> um, it's, it's not for nothing that when you go get a massage or you have an energy session with someone or a myofascial release session with someone that the therapist or, or energetic practitioner always tells you to drink a lot of water. That's how your body eliminates the stuff that it doesn't want anymore. It's one of the biggest ways that we eliminate what is internally in our system outside of ourselves. And so drinking a lot of water helps us to be less stagnant. Um, and it's so supportive for every single system within your, your mind, body, and spirit. And so it's, it's very simple. Um, and, and so important. Um, it will, positively impact any negative thought or feeling that you're experiencing. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I have been in a funk and through, <laughs> sorry, I'm so punny in this episode. I'm just like, I keep pointing out all the things, uh, through self-reflection. Um, I will realize I'm really hella dehydrated and that is actually affecting my worldview right now. It's affecting the way I feel within my body. Maybe I have a little bit of a headache. 
my it's going to affect my energy levels right there's there's so many different ways that being dehydrated can play out in terms of symptoms of disease and discomfort within the self and um you know giving yourself the the gift of of water which is life um is one of the greatest gifts that that you can offer to yourself and is the number one on the list of essential uh, self-care for sensitives. Um, so here's here's a few things that maybe you don't know about uh, getting water into your system. Um, personally, I love water. I'm also uh, in Ayurvedic doshas. I'm a Pitta. And uh, also, I, you know, as a Pitta, I have s- certain issues that tend to arise for me. Um, and I've mentioned already, I have my own history with illness. I have my own stuff with my thyroid. I tend to be a very thirsty girl. I love to drink water, um, but some folks don't really like water. Uh, my gammy doesn't like water. And it's really hard to get her to drink enough water because she doesn't like that the taste or the non-taste of it uh, is very particular about that. And so if you're someone who doesn't uh, like me, just thrill at the idea of keeping your water bottle close by and being able to drink it all through the, the live long day. Um, there's another few things that you can start to incorporate in your daily that is going to support your hydration. Um, one is herbal teas. Herbal teas, <laughs> not caffeinated tea, <laughs> herbal tea. Um, and even you know, doing something fun like um, you're putting fruit in ice, uh, just something that makes it more enticing for you to drink it if you wanted to make it an iced herbal tea. And um, if you want to, you know, get really fun and creative with it and, and uh, up the stakes of the incentive to drink it, you could um, get herbal teas that are going to really specifically support areas that you need some extra support around. So some ideas for that looking at um, parts of the plant that are going to give you the energetic effect uh, that is desired. And that can come, you know, look at dandelion roots, um, you know, are really grounding. Also dandelions, um, you know, if it's herbal tea that includes the flower of the dandelion, that is going to feel really supportive for your solar plexus. It's yellow. It's a sunflower, right? It, it, it's um, a, a bright, sunny flower, and it definitely correlates energetically to that energy center. Um, so playing around your nettle tea is a, is a big one for me. I, I really need the support of nettles, and I've come to really enjoy the the flavor and the aroma and it feels really yummy for me to drink nettle tea um so just giving yourself permission to have some fun around uh what kind of herbal teas are going to feel good for you at at any given moment and drinking you know two to three cups of those different uh, herbal teas throughout the day also eating water rich food is hugely supportive um Think watermelon, think cucumbers, think lettuce, like iceberg lettuce. It may not have a ton of nutritional content, but it's got a ton of water. 
Um, and so maybe it feels refreshing for you to do something, you know, with, with that. Um, so, uh, you, you can just Google water rich foods and you'll, you'll find a bunch of them online and, uh, start incorporating them more into your day, especially as we enter the warmer season, um, where we're sweating more. It's so, so important for us to, um, get our water, uh, intake up. So those are the top 11, uh, things to incorporate into your self-care as a sensitive. If you have any questions about this, I would love, love, love to connect with you and answer any and all of them that you have. You can always email me, lauraann at sensitivecollective.com. Uh, of course, I'm linking, as I mentioned before, the Empath's Guide to Thrive in today's show notes. And if you are interested in connecting uh, with me about how we might work together, how I can best show up and support you as a uh, healing mentor, please book your free discovery call with me. Uh, I would love to you know, create a little bit of space to get some clarity around what it is you need and what the right next steps are for you uh, in this uh, chapter of your own healing journey. You are such an inspired soul. I am thrilled that you are here. Thank you for sharing uh, this time with me. And as always, I will close out the episode reminding myself and my younger versions of self um, and reminding you that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got. And I love you. <laughs>